Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. Peace, peace, peace. Now put it on the screen for me, the the title, because I'm giddy about how amazing this title is. I usually have lame ones like Hot Tub, um, Hot Tub Passage. Like what even is that? That was a horrible title. I'll be honest. That was bad. Uh, This one, A Piece of Bread. That's that's cash flow. Once we get into it, you guys are going to get that. So take notes. Pull out your phones. Take whatever you got. I need you to write that down just so you can appreciate at the end of the message how sweet of a title that really is. I mean, you're always like, guys, we know it's spelt peace instead of peace. Like, it's not that good. It's that good. And you're going to find out here in just a minute why that's so delicious. I'm telling you. Um, But tonight, we're going to talk about peace. And more than just peace and reading the story of Jesus saying, peace be still, uh, we're going to talk about peace as an inheritance. Something that's yours already, um, which I think is very exciting and very interesting when you start really unpacking. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack peace as your inheritance. Peace is something that you get to operate, live in, function, weaponize, if you will. That's we're going to get into that too. Uh, But before we get started, I just want to open up and read. We never really read right off the bat. We usually pray or tell some goofy story of me doing something stupid or whatever. But we're going to read the Bible. So if you're with me, open up to Mark chapter 4. We're going to get our Bible reading in today. Mark chapter 4. We're going to read a brief little story right off the bat. I'll pray and then we'll get into the the sermon tonight. Give me uh, some random noise when you're there. Who even has a Bible in the room? Come on. If you have a Bible. my Oh, it's like all these phones. Like, God, freaking Gen Zers, right? Like, back in my day, we carried these big old fat Bibles here and had back problems because of it. Like, that was, that was my day. What? That's a good point. All right, I'm horrible. I'm sorry. I'll fix that. All right, open up to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I'm there. I'm going to start reading in just a second. So here we go. Verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat as he was, and a little, and other little boats were also with him. Verse 37. And it says, and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. That must have been some pillow, by the way. Um, And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Verse 39, bringing it home. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Verse 40, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Last verse, bringing it home, last verse. And they feared exceedingly, rightfully so, and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you that you have this peace that calms storms. And Lord, I pray that by the end of the night, you would open up everybody's heart, open up everybody's mind and their eyes and every other receptor they have to understand this, God, that we would be people who operated in the inheritance of peace. 
God, every lie that the enemy has been trying to convince us of and trying to knock us off course with, Lord, I pray to be broken right now in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you that by the end of tonight, Lord, we are gonna be a people who are not just identified by our peace, but we are gonna be empowered by peace. We're gonna be people who calm storms in our lives and in other people's lives. So Jesus, we love you, we trust you, and it's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. So let me just make this very clear. I'm not rich. Let me just be very, very clear with you. Um, I bought a house, so I have lots of debt. I also went to college. All my college bills are off, thank God. But I'm not a very wealthy man. But I was in Hollywood uh, on a vacation not too long ago, actually a good bit ago, and I went on one of these car tours where like, you sit in this giant banana boat looking car um, and you drive around Hollywood Hills and they, some very funny guy typically will give you the down low about what's going on with like, all these billion dollar, not billion, million dollar homes from these rich people who don't even live in them, right? And it was really interesting. There was, I was on this one stretch, there's Britney Spears' home. And I was like, oh, okay, nobody even knows who that is, right? Britney Spears' home, and, and I was cruising along, and the guy was like, yeah, that's like a $25 million home. I was like, yeesh, that's a lot of guacamole, like my goodness. And then he's like, yeah, she doesn't even live there. What? <laughs> like, that's ridiculous, right? And as we're going on, we're like seeing... $10 million house, $15 million house, $30 million house. And then there's one, I was watching this TV show, and it's like a $95 million house that they're building in Hollywood. Then there's this other one that we saw that it was like, somebody just bought that for $15 million just to tear it down for the land. It's like, what is going on? And it's this crazy idea, right? Like these multi-millionaires, billionaires can have a house, right? And just like not live in it. Like, how crazy is that? Like, they, they have, like, four other houses, and so they just buy this one house, and they never live in it. I was doing an install, and I sold this guy, like, $5,000 worth of glass. And I walked in there to do the install, and there was nothing in the house. I was like, dude, where, do you not live here? Do you just move here? He's like, no, this is our house just in case we want to live here. What? <laughs> I'm, like, scraping, like, eating food off the floor, like, trying to make it by. Like, what? You don't even live here? And he's like, yeah, if we want to live here, we might live here when we retire. I was like, huh. You can have a house and not live in it. And in the same way, you could have access to peace and not live in it either. You could own it. You could have it paid off. You can have the deeds in your hand that says, I own this house and not live in it. In the same way, so to speak, the deed, the bill, the debt, your mortgage has been paid off for peace. But that doesn't mean we're living in it. I mean, it doesn't take long for you to walk out the door, maybe even just pick up your phone right now, scroll, and be like, man, this world is jacked up. <laughs> it doesn't take long. It takes, I mean, Christina talked about it in her message. I mean, this world is jacked up. We got a lot of stuff going on. Politics. I don't even want, if I start listing it, I'm going to get all worked up just even trying to talk about it. I'm just going to stop at politics. That's good enough. But we have all this stuff going on, and we get so anxious and so worried, but that is not what we have been given John, let me see, let's make sure I got this here. John 14, 27, pull it up on the screen for me, Booth. John 14, 27, this is Jesus talking to his disciples right as he's about to leave. Think about it, they've been walking with Jesus for three years. He's like, hey guys, I'm about to die. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you about to do? I'm about to die and I'm gonna leave you. But get, don't worry, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. He's gonna be your helper. And then in verse 27, he says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you? Let not your heart be troubled, 
neither let it be afraid. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. If you never knew this, let me tell you right now, peace is your inheritance as a child of God. It's yours because you're a son and you're a daughter. We're going to get into it. Isaiah 53.5, put it up on the screen for me. Isaiah 53.5, it says this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. This is the prophet Isaiah talking to us today about Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come yet. Just a fun fact, he wasn't around when Isaiah was writing. This was telling of the future about what's to come. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Maybe you've heard us pray that when we're praying for people who are sick. By his stripes, you are healed. Like by the whips that Jesus bore on his body, we are healed. But the chastisement for our peace was upon him. So people think when I say, hey, are you a believer? That means I believe in Jesus and I'm going to heaven. That's what we typically agree. And we think about, are you a believer? Are you a follower of Christ? Are you a Christian? And we go to this idea of what salvation means. It means going to heaven, right? Yes, but that's just a part of it. Peace is a part of the package. Like it's a part of the deal. Like you don't just, Jesus, I believe in you. And then you hold out and just hope things don't get bad till you die and go to heaven. He cares about your right now. Peace is your inheritance. Here's here's the crazy thing. Uh, Do I want to get into it? Mm, we're not going to get into it. Peace is, okay, so inheritance. I think all of you are like 18 and under minus our adult leaders. We have a few of our adult leaders in the room tonight. Inheritance is a weird word for our culture, I feel like. Not too many people are thinking about their inheritance. Like my dad is 53. I'm not waiting for him to die and be like, where's my inheritance? Like I'm not thinking like that, mainly because I don't know if there's an inheritance there outside of the spiritual blessing he's given me. Like I think it's just like, a okay, (laughs) I'm going to miss him a lot, but it's not like that. Inheritance is this thing that someone leaves to you when they depart, when they go to heaven. All throughout the Bible, you'll see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they leave an inheritance for their kids when they pass. Jesus, when he died for us on the cross, he he set up an inheritance for us. And a lot of the times, we don't know how to receive that. I think a lot of us actually treat it like the rich young ruler. Can we look at that? I have a lot of scripture tonight. Uh, Mark 10, verse 17. Have you heard of the rich young ruler before? Jesus, what must I do to, be, uh, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, well, have you kept all the law? And he's like, I've kept all the law. He's like, well, one more thing I ask of you. Give up everything you have, come follow me. And he's like, yeah, bye. And he left a really sad, that story. That's the rich young ruler. Well, I, I've, I've always thought this was a really stupid question. You know, like those posters in school, there's like, there's no dumb questions. There are dumb questions. And I'll tell you one right here. I thought, wasn't it just on the screen? I'm going to go crazy there. Oh, pull up, pull up uh, Mark 10, 17 for me. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him this, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Keep that on the screen for me. I'm going to say this really slow, and I might even change the phrasing just so you get it. Ready? Lock in. What must, and I'll even emphasize some words just to really make it easy for you guys. We're talking about kindergarten level reading here. What should I do that I may inherit eternal life? Does anybody understand why it's a dumb question? I got one bobblehead. What do you think? You think you got it? Why is that a dumb question? You want to preach the rest of this? You got it. I think you got it. That's a great thing. She said, you don't have to do anything to inherit. 
The rich young ruler wanted to gain something through work, what could only be received through adoption. He wanted to earn it. He wanted to deserve it. He wanted to make the adjustments, adjust my life, do all this in order to say, I got my salvation package. Let me make it more practical. I did it, so now I have peace. When in reality, there's nothing you could ever do to get your own peace. We have to learn how to to receive like a child. When a father gives you peace, it is yours. You can keep it. You can have it. You can walk into it. But here's the thing. Peace peace is your birthright. I almost burped right there. Birthright. It's your birthright. But you know what a lot of people don't do is they don't like leave with it. When Jesus said, peace, I leave with you, when, when he said that, you're like, oh, it's so gross. He's like 12. Chill out, O'Neal. Get out of here. Um, she's laughing at me. For all you can't see over here at podcast people, Caitlin O'Neal is shaming me. And I'm going to shame her now. I'm kidding. You're good. Um, he says, peace, I leave with you. So he expects you to show up with it. If he's giving you peace, he's expecting you to show up with it. Here's the crazy thing. It says it in, uh, let me pull it up here. It says in Romans 16.20. My booth people are going to be on fire with this. Romans 16, Romans 16.20. Let's see if they got it. Moment of truth. 16.20. This awkward moment. The, 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 Matt doesn't have it in his notes, but he has it written down. There we go. Love it. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Right on. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. You know what's interesting about Paul writing this to the church of Romans in Romans um, is that the Roman people had like thousands of gods. Right? It's pretty interesting. They had Mercury, who's the God of finance and trade. They had, oh my gosh, there's like a billion of them. Uh, They had Mars, who's the God of war. So this was a culture, this was a people group that really had a lot of gods. So Paul, being a smart cookie, is like, let me just say something that's going to blow their minds. It's not the God of war, it's not the God of power, it's not the God of authority that'll crush Satan, it's the God of peace that'll crush Satan. Do we ever think of peace as a weapon? Peace is the absence of problems, Matt. I'm anxious because I have this going on. I am walking through this. My grades are this. My mom said that. We, we think that peace is just somehow this absence of problems, and it's kind of not. Homeboy Jesus was sleeping in a boat during the middle of a storm. He had peace. Peace was present. Interestingly enough, he said, peace be still. He spoke to the peace that was chaotic and said, peace look, st- look still. So peace was already there. Peace was present just didn't look like he thought it would. Peace is not just the absence of problems, it's the presence of Jesus, but more than that, it's a weapon that displaces the powers of darkness, the enemy at your, at your doorstep, it kicks it out. Just like, I'm gonna call it the booth a little bit one more time because we're here and we can. When the lights came on during worship, what did everybody do? What's going on? Like, it's, guys, it's light. Like, but like, I was so distracted, you were distracted, it happened. Because light came on, darkness was displaced. Did you notice that? Like, I wasn't paying attention to the person next to me until the light came on, and I was like, whoa, what are you doing right there? Like, oh, man, your, your armpits. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like, the lights came on, and darkness disappeared because darkness and light can't operate in the same space. 
So when light comes on and light shows up, darkness has to flee. That's scripture. Check it out. Same thing with peace. So when you and I show up in peace, oh man, anxiety has to leave. Fear has to go. Storms have to come. The thing you're dealing with now has to deal with you. Like you're walking in that authority. And Jesus, when he, when he said, peace be still, and he rebuked the wind and the wave, he wasn't just saying like, oh, look at me, I'm Jesus. Yeah, you bet you're glad you have me, don't you? Huh. You would have been quite a pickle if I wasn't on this boat right here. No, he was modeling what you and I should be doing. He was prophetically declaring and modeling the lifestyle that you and I are supposed to live in every single day, every single moment, every single situation. Peace that calms storms. And it's so beautiful because it says in, in, in uh, Mark chapter four, we can read it again, but we won't for now. It says that the other boats experienced the storm. And when Jesus said, peace be still, the storm calmed for them too. So when you and I walk in peace for ourselves, let's just think about ourselves for right now. It naturally affects those around us. You can't help it. So you got a really sucky situation going at home. You can't talk to your parents about this because maybe they don't believe in God or they're not walking through what you're walking through. But you have all the right, all the authority because it's an inheritance and God said, peace I leave with you to operate in peace and thus calm the storm of your home. Your friend group. Your friend whose home is really struggling. You get to weaponize peace against the powers of darkness and it... I mean, oh my gosh, it radically changes everything. You know, one of the things that's interesting about the story of Jesus calming the storm and the disciples freaking out is the question he asked them. Why were you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Isn't that kind of harsh, you think? Like, come on, they're skilled fishermen on a boat that's sinking. Like, they probably had some experience with some storms, some waves, a little bit of wind, like, whew, like oh, my gosh. Like, they, they've probably experienced a storm or two. So this thing must have been really, really bad for them to be freaking out the way that they were freaking out. Also, interesting, why was Jesus in the bottom of the boat and the boat's filling with water and him not recognize that? Like, right? Is that not a weird detail to anybody else you tracking with it? Like, that's just odd. Like, Jesus used, like, is he sleeping on a waterbed so he didn't notice? Like, what is that stuff? Like, it's so funky to me. But... But the question I think is interesting because it addresses something that I think a lot of us struggle with. Why is it that when I leave my house, I don't forget my phone? Why is it that when I leave my house, I don't forget my keys? Why is it when I leave my house, I don't forget my peace because I know that I need it? The disciples left home without their peace. And Jesus, in order to address, hey, why did you leave your peace at home today? He said, why is, it that you're fear why is it that you're so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? The answer is because they were believing a lie. They're believing a lie. Well, how can you say they were believing a lie? What did they say to him? Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Hmm. The one who came down from heaven to earth, put on skin and bones, has a plan to go to the cross, to die, to pay our sins, to get us to heaven, to restore our families, to restore our hope, who, who just healed the sick like a chapter before, like just minutes before, like who's literally restored Peter's mother-in-law, like all these different things. And they have the audacity to say, don't you care about me? Oh, it's because they're believing a lie. Heart check for yourself, not for me. I, I have some heart checks, but... What lie are you believing? 
that's causing the anxiety. Yeah, there, we, Kimberly sang it. Yeah, there's cancer, but, but I know the healer. There's debt. Oh, I have a lot of debt. <laughs> but I have a provider too. There's anxiety, but I have this guy I know who calms storms and says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Often, I think the root of most of our anxiety, the most of our fear, most of our just doubts and, and storms in life come from when we believe a lie. Because here's the crazy part. You could be walking in complete strength. You could be reading your Bible daily in an intimate relationship with the Lord, and no matter what, a storm's going to come. Jesus was perfect. Don't you think? No, sin was not a reason why that storm caused. Like, that storm just came. Jesus was a perfect man, never sinned, never messed up, never did anything wrong, no error, no imperfection. He was a good man, a holy man. He was the God man. That storm still showed up. And so if we aren't careful, we're going to allow every storm to define our relationship with God. We're going to live from the outside in. Everything that's impacting me is coming from the outside. Instead, God desires us to live from the inside out where our peace that is infused in us because we are filled with the Holy Spirit, enriched by the power and the word of God, we should be living inside out. We define what the storms can do to us. We walk above the waves, not beneath the waves getting tossed to and fro. That is what we are called to do. And it takes faith. It takes faith, guys. I mean, that's like the cliche church preacher say. It takes faith when it's really hard, right? You, where's your faith? I mean, it's hard. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Jesus connected their lack of peace to their lack of faith. It's worth noting. Hmm. Maybe my my anxiety or my storm is, is a lack of faith in somewhere. Now, I'm not trying to be point the finger and like, you, you need more faith. That's why your storm's happening. No, the storm happened no matter what. Remember that. But there is a connection between our faith and our peace. I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up before I fall over. Huh. Don't laugh at me. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We, we fill our tanks with the word of God. And when we have the word of God in us, our faith rises. So when I come into a situation and I see a coworker who's battling depression, this isn't a real one, I have nobody in mind here, I'm just picking something. I, I go to scriptures that talk about the, the healing and the deliverance that God has. My, my mind goes immediately toward all the promises of God written in the word. But if we don't have that in there, our faith's really weak. And it's like, man, I'm sorry, that's, that sucks. And we get discouraged because they're discouraged because, man, there's just another thing going on. It just keeps piling up and up and up. But when we operate in peace, being empowered by the word of God, we hear somebody's tough situation and we say, man, I know a guy. I have an answer for you. His name is Jesus. And let me tell you why Jesus is the answer. A, B, C, D, John 3.16. Oh, that's so lame. God, throw me, that's horrible. Guys, I, I wouldn't be surprised if nobody came back next week because of that joke. That was horrible. Um, tonight, I, I, I want to do one thing. I want to read one last Bible story to you, and we're going to do a little group participation. Does that sound okay? We're going to participate in a group? You're all like, oh, she's literally like, no, I don't want to do that. I saw both of you, both of you. It's good. Um, it's going to be fun. Don't worry. It's going to be encouraging, hopefully. Um, but I need my two disciples to come to the front. 
this is planned, don't worry. It's not like you need to identify yourself. Oh, look at them. Like everyone stands up like, oh boy, this is, this is more than I thought. Thank you, disciple John and disciple Peter, my humble disciples. This is very awkward for them. We're going to make it more awkward in just a minute. Um, go ahead and look over there by that monitor. There's two little buckets for you. I need you to each grab one and take the lids off for me. You guys are like, what's going on? It's good. Uh, now, um, Mr. DeCosta, could you hop on this side over here for me? And you stay right where you're at. Escalante, doing your thing. Good. We're going to read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now you're thinking this could be really cool or this could be really lame. And you're right, it could be. But I'm so believing that God is going to put the right piece of paper in every person's hand tonight. In these little pieces of, on these little pieces of paper in these containers are statements that God makes to you personal, intimate, rooted in scripture. Every single one has a reference for where you could find the, the, the reality of this truth. I will come for you when you're anxious is one of them right here on top. There we go. We'll mix that up in case somebody else doesn't want to get that one. Okay. Um, but I have over 150 statements of God. There's 50 in there, but there's 150 available. So when I read this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and it talks about the disciples passing out the bread, homeboys right here are going to pass out some bread. Okay. And we're going to be reminded, why are we passing this out? Why are we doing this? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We're going to pass out the word of God. And hopefully it encourage us and give us some faith tonight so that we can operate in the peace that God gave us because peace is our inheritance. So if you're with me, go to John chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to read this story from the top. Booth people, here we go. Disciples, are you ready? You just got to pay attention. I'm not going to just say anything. You got to go when it's time to go. Okay, you ready? You ready? Are you guys ready? Oh, good. Christina's ready. Good. One, one person. You ready? You're good. Okay, she's ready. 10-4. 10-4. Okay. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Why not call it the same sea? Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. Verse 3. And Jesus went up on a mountain. I'm on a mountain. And there he sat with his disciples. What's up, dude? How you doing? Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes. I'm looking. And seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And Philip didn't know what to say, but he said, to, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what to do. Verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little bit of bread. Just a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here, a wee little lad, who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Oh, look at you guys. You're participating. Oh, that's so lame. Um, <laughs> sit down. Now, now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000 people. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, Jesus, we thank you that these words are going to be encouraging to us and life-giving to us. He gave thanks, and he distributed them to the disciples, and then the disciples to those sitting down, disciples sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as many as they wanted, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Now, we're all going to have some past to us. Uh, there's going to definitely be some left over. 
But I want to circle back to, I believe, verse 11, if you could, in in the booth for me here. I believe it's verse 11. I hope I got this right. As much as they wanted, they ate. How delicious is that? As much as they wanted, they ate. Now, I'll tell you what. It's okay if you're talking a little bit. I don't mind. We're passing out bread. It's dinner time. As much as they wanted, they ate. I have 150 pieces of paper. That is not enough for all of us. I'm telling you what, I want to go reach in there and grab all of them and put them in my pocket for later tonight. I I just, that's what I'm thinking. But here's the beauty of this awesome-ish analogy. If you're done, pass them out. You could just lay one right there. DaCosta, when you're done, you could lay yours on this monitor over here and have a seat and make sure you get your own too. We're going to run out of these pieces of paper tonight, but here's the best part. This thing is never going to run out. It's never going to run out. As much as you want to eat, come and eat. <laughs> as much as you want to have peace, brought on by faith, brought on by the word of God, come and eat. There is no limit. There is no requirement. There is no standard that you have to meet to pick this bad boy up and let it change your life. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Not come to me, all you who are perfect and need nothing. That would be dumb. Why would they be coming to him if they didn't need anything? Come to you who have needs, who have storms, who have problems, who have anxieties, who have worries, who have school stuff, family drama, whatever it is. Make a list. I don't even care. Come to him and he will give you rest. Fill up your spiritual tank. Fill up your faith by getting into the word of God and allowing it to fill your tank. You do not need me to preach to you every Wednesday. No, the shepherd does not grab the sheep and then grab a pile of grass and shove it in the sheep's mouth. No, he puts them in a field called the word of God and says, eat as much as you want, little sheep. Eat. How weird would that be if the shepherd literally had the sheep right on a leash and would only allow it to eat when he picked it up from the grass and put it in the sheep's mouth. It's ridiculous. The sheep would one starve. The sheep would not be happy. That is not how God set things up. God wants you to eat freely as much as they wanted, as much as you want. Peace is your inheritance. Peace is given to you. Nobody can take your peace unless you give it away. Hello. Or unless you leave it at home. Hello. Psalms 23 says that though I walk through the valley of shadow death, but it leads all the way to the very end. That you, God, prepare a table before uh, a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I used to think that was a weird story. I'll be straight with you. It's like, why am I dining with my like my worst enemy? Like, what's going on there? Because I always thought it was like a long banquet hall, right? You feel me? Like a long table, me on one side, Jesus all the way over there, and like a bunch of the guys I really don't like just chilling at the table, right? But then I had this recent picture of it was a table for two. Me and God at the table. And he prepared all this food. There's a little steak because he knows I like steak, a little ribeye, maybe some soda. I don't know. Diet Coke, that's what's up. Hot tamales, some peaches because I love peaches. They're going out of season. It's a bummer. But it's just me and him at the table. And the enemy is just all over the place around us. But here's the beautiful picture. When we sit down at the table with God, none of the enemy wants to come and touch us because they they know who we're dining with. You know what I mean? If, if, so like, say you're bully, say you have a bully and they see you sitting with like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and like 
I don't know, the Hulk. <laughs> Are they going to come pick on you? No. <laughs> I mean, like, geez. Like, if he's dining with those guys, he must have some connections. We can't mess with him now. He, look at who he's dining with. So I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And here's the crazy part. You, like, the only way the enemy has a seat at your table is if you're not sitting at the table. There's only two seats. God's sitting in his. He's inviting you to come sit at the table and reap the benefit of peace. Eat some food. Get that steak on. I'm going to pray for us. Is that all right? We're going to pray. We're going to close it down a little bit early, um, and then we'll go from there. And then afterwards, I really want to keep this open. If you genuinely have something that's like you know is your storm, like you know, you know, you know is your storm, and you're just sitting here thinking about it the entire night, maybe thinking, maybe I have this storm, but I don't think Matt's preaching the real gospel. I don't know if that's really true. Please come talk to me. I would love to just pray for you. I'd love to talk to you. Maybe share a story of God faithfully showing up. I mean, I could talk for hours. I think you all know that. But we know he can do it. This is his promise book. I promise I'll do it. So let me pray for us and we'll get out of here and go have some fun tonight. Uh, Jesus, we thank you that peace truly is our inheritance. That peace is not something that we have to work to get. It's not something we have to be perfect to attain. But because we are sons and daughters, Lord, we get to just receive it. Lord, I pray that you'd make it so simple to us. That you would make all the lies of the enemy just fall away. And that you would allow us to operate in this peace that surpasses all understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds, this peace that crushes Satan under our feet, this peace that calms every single storm, every single worry and anxiety to be just completely removed and diminished. God, I thank you that this peace would begin to transcend and transform our lives, Lord, that we would not be a people marked by anxiety. We'd not be a people who are affected from the outside, but Lord, we'd be a people who are marked by the peace of God, that wherever we place our feet, wherever room we step into, that the peace Peace that is in us and on us would affect and affect every single thing around us, Lord, and that we would be a people who are literally calming the storms, seeing the sick healed, seeing the families restored. God, that it starts with us, though. Thank you, God, that it starts with us, that you care about us as individuals. Meet us right here tonight. Meet us in our storm. Lord, we love you. God, I trust you. I ask that your word would come alive to all of us as we leave from here. God, that as we open this word, it would not be confusing. It would not be intimidating, but it would be exactly what it says it is. Life to our body. Refreshment and joy. God, we trust you. We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.